Before we begin this Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. <coughs> I want to take time together to look at an important and a difficult period in Isaac's life because we can learn from Isaac a lot about how to go through our own important and difficult periods too. If you've been feeling weary or discouraged or if you've lost heart, this message is for you. So let's turn to Genesis 26, and we're going to take time to read and study this chapter together tonight. My message tonight is entitled, Digging Deeper, Lessons from the Life of Isaac. So we'll start in Genesis 26, verse one, a famine came over the land, not the same famine as the first one, which had taken place when Abraham was alive. Isaac went to Gerar, to Avimelech, king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down into Egypt, but live where I tell you to live. Stay in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you because I will give all these lands to you and to your descendants. I will fulfill the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give all these lands to your descendants, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth will bless themselves. All this is because Abraham heeded what I said, and he did what I told him to do. He followed my mitzvot, my regulations, and my teachings. Let's pause for a moment and consider these first few verses. God has different solutions for similar problems. There was a famine this time, and God said to Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. Now, the Lord told Abraham to go to Egypt during the famine, but to Isaac, he just said, stay where you are. You see, it's very important for us to hear what we need to do now, to have direction from God now, and not just to apply a cookie cutter approach to our lives. There are times when there are a number of options and God will give peace into our spirit. And he may even speak to our hearts in such a way that we can say that the word of the Lord came to us. Well, it, this is interesting because the Lord appeared at this critical juncture for Isaac. At the time when he really needed direction, the Lord came. And so the promise that the Lord makes that he'll lead us, this is quite personal. And it was experienced in a very personal way for Isaac. And it does raise a question connected to this. And it's a question that I like to bring up again and again. Where do we find Yeshua in the Torah? And the answer is to look for those times when God appeared and he made himself visible and physically present. This is one of those occasions. It says the Lord appeared, Vayera, and the Lord appeared. It's the exact same description that's used in Genesis 12, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham. It's the same description of the appearance of God in Genesis 18.1, where it says the Lord appeared to Abraham and came to him while Abraham was sitting at, um, 
in front of his tent at Mamre. <clears throat> and remember what the New Testament says about Yeshua. He's the fullness of God in bodily form. So whenever you see uh, in the scriptures, whenever you're reading in Torah about a manifestation of God that is visible and physical and in bodily form, think Yeshua, because that's who Yeshua is. Yeshua is an expression of the fullness of God in bodily form. Let's continue. Verse six, and so Isaac settled in Gerar. The men of the place asked him about his wife and out of fear, he said, she is my sister. And he thought, if I tell them she's my wife, they might kill me in order to take Rebecca. After all, she's a beautiful woman. But one day after he had lived there a long time, Avimelech, king of the Philistines happened to be looking out of a window when he spotted Yitzchak caressing Rivka, Rebecca, his wife. Avimelech summoned Yitzchak and said, aha, so she's your wife after all. How come you said she's my sister? And Isaac responded, because I thought I could get killed because of her. Navi Melek said, what is this you've done to us? One of the people could easily have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. And then Avi Melech warned all the people, whoever touches this man or his wife will certainly be put to death. It's interesting. This reveals to us that Isaac misjudged the motives of the people around them. He was afraid of what they would do to him and with his wife, Rebecca. He figured out based on his fear that if he told the truth, they would only do harm to him. But when the truth came out, you know what? The people responded in such a different way. And I think this is such a good lesson for us. You and I can easily jump to conclusions about the people around us, and we can figure out what we think their actual inner motives are and what their behavior will be. And this is a lesson from the life of, of Isaac. Don't be so quick to jump to conclusions. Give people an opportunity, and you may be surprised by how they do good by you. Well, it continues in verse 12. Isaac planted crops in that land and reaped that year a hundred times as much as he had sowed. Adonai had blessed him. So remember, there had been a famine, and a famine is usually uh, connected either with pestilence or with a drought or both. And in this case, Isaac was tempted to do what his father had done, which is to leave the place when there's a famine and to go to Egypt where there's a steady supply of water. But he stayed where he was. He planted crops in that land and he reaped that year a hundred times as much as he had sown. The Lord had blessed him. You see, it is possible Isaac learned to prosper in the middle of difficult circumstances. Of course, Isaac had to do the normal work of sowing and reaping. Some people have the attitude that God will do everything, but in fact, sowing and reaping is our work. Blessing 
is God's work. Giving direction and leading us, this is God's work. Following him, that's our work. And it's important to learn to sow well. If you want to reap well, sow well. Isaac sowed and he reaped a hundred times as much as he had sowed. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six gives a caution to us. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So Isaac is a testimony of this. Let's go back to Genesis 26 now, verse 13. The man Isaac became rich and he prospered more and more until he had become very wealthy indeed. Isaac became rich. He prospered more and more, and he became very wealthy. Now, remember this, that, that riches are not the sure sign of God's blessing, but they may be a sign of God's blessing. And to have enough for yourself and enough to bless others, this kind of prosperity is definitely a blessing whenever we're in that condition and whenever we have a heart to bless others. Let's continue verse 14. Isaac had flocks, cattle, and a large household, and the Philistines envied him. That's important to pay attention to. Just because God blesses you does not mean that everyone around you will be happy for you or happy with you. The Philistines envied. And remember, there are different forms of envy. One form is, I don't want you to have what you have. Another form is, I want what you have. That's a kind of covetousness. And it can lead to another form of envy. I will take what you have. And that envy that becomes covetousness becomes stealing in the end. Verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up and filled with dirt all the wells that his father's servants had dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father. And Avimelech said to Isaac, you must go away from us because you become much more powerful than we are. Go away. You're, you're too powerful. That's what Avimelech was saying. And so in verse 17, Isaac left. He set up camp in Wadi Gerar and he lived there. Isaac reopened the wells which had been dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father. The ones the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he called them by the names his father had used for them. And here we see that Isaac is digging deeper. He's reopening the wells. He's digging again what had once been dug, and he didn't have to dig just in a shallow way. He had to dig very deep to reopen the wells because they had been filled up completely. Verse 19, Isaac's servants dug in the wadi, and they just uncovered a spring of running water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, claiming that water is ours. And so he called the well Esek, which means quarrel, because they quarreled with him. It's our water, not yours. Isaac had been digging in a way that his father taught him. 
dig again and again, dig deeper, dig so that you have enough water, dig your wells and keep them open. But you know what? The people around him weren't happy that Isaac had water. They wanted it for themselves. Verse 21. So Isaac and his crew dug another well and the people quarreled over that one too. And so he called it Sitna, which means enmity. Verse 22, Isaac went away from there and he dug yet another well. And over that one, they did not quarrel. And so he called it Rechovot, which means wide open spaces and said, because now Adonai has made room for us and we will be productive in the land. This is interesting, I think. Isaac dug again and again, but this time, this time, the people did not quarrel with him. Rechavot, wide open spaces. Isaac is, is giving a name to this place because of what it is to him. And he's saying, the Lord has now made room for us and will be productive in the land. You see, sometimes you've just got to keep digging, dig deeper, dig again, dig again and again, and don't give up. Verse 23, from there, Isaac went up to Beersheba. Rechavot was a place without contention. It was a peaceful place. It was a place where Isaac could coexist nearby, but in his own space. But it was also a launching pad. From there, Isaac went to Beersheba. In verse 24, Adonai appeared to him that same night. And again, we have the visible and physical appearance of the Lord. And the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Don't be afraid because I am with you. I will bless you and I will increase your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. There he built an altar and he called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug another well. Here they're digging and they're digging deeper and they're digging again and again and again. Verse 26. Then Avimelech went to him from Gerar with his friend Ahuzat and Pichol, the commander of his army. So imagine that. Now Avimelech, the one who said, you become too powerful, you need to get away from us, you need to go away. That one now is approaching and he's coming with the commander of his army. And Isaac says to them in verse 27, why have you come to me even though you were so unfriendly to me and you sent me away. Isaac wants to know. He's very direct. He asks the question. He's not um, a shy person. This is what's on his heart. It's what's on his mind. And he asks it directly. And they answer, verse 28, we saw very clearly that Adonai has been with you. And so we said, let there be an oath between us. Let's make a treaty between ourselves and you so that you won't harm us, just as we've not caused you offense, but we've done nothing but good and sent you on your way in peace. And now, look, you're so blessed by Adonai. That's interesting. It's interesting. These were people who weren't happy with the blessing at first. They weren't happy with the work 
that was productive that Isaac was doing. They weren't happy with his increase, but now they're saying, hey, listen, we've always been on your side. We've always been gracious to you. We've always done good for you. We, we've never wanted anything but good for you. And you're blessed by the Lord. We see it really clearly. Interesting perspective. Avimelech says, well, first we saw the Lord was with you. And second, we realized we should make an agreement, a treaty together. And third, we want you to commit not to harm us, just like we've only been doing good towards you. Hey, that's revisionist, but it also reflects their view about their own motivations. They had not gone to war against Isaac. They just wanted him to move further away. They, went, they didn't want to be too close. They wanted to have their own space. So maybe, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe Avimelech is telling the truth. Verse 30, Isaac prepared a banquet for them and they ate and drink. drank. And the next morning they got up early and they swore to each other. They made a treaty together and then Isaac sent them on their way and they left peacefully. They had a treaty banquet together uh, the night before. They signed a treaty and they entered into a firm written agreement of um, doing no harm to each other. It was like a non-aggression agreement, but also an agreement to try to be at peace with each other and to bless each other. It's interesting that Isaac was able, as were Avimelech and the Philistines, they were able to seek something that looked like it was beyond them. They were able to seek peace and the common good, the good of one another, and to be at peace with each other, even in those moments. And sometimes circumstances are such where we think we know how the end will be, but God knows the beginning, he knows the middle, and he knows the end. And there was an end of blessing. There was an end result of some peace between all these folks during this time. Verse 32, we continue. That very day, Isaac's servants came and told them about the well they'd just dug. We have found water. Isn't that so interesting? It's, it's like these guys who are with Isaac, they, they're carrying on this tradition that was established with Abraham and his servants. It's like a family tradition. Dig wells, look for water, get enough water so that you have abundance and you can prosper. And while the treaty is being signed, the servants of Isaac are out there digging yet another well. And so they called it Shiva, which can mean seven, or it can also mean oath or treaty or pact. And for this reason, the name of the city is Beersheba, the well of seven, or the well of an oath or the well of treaty to this very day. You see, they kept digging wells, they dug wells um, because they had a view of the future that they would be blessed in that place, that they would prosper, and that they would need water for their flocks and for their crops and for themselves as well. They invested capital, if you will, their own labor 
to improve the area. They kept digging. I think this gives us a valuable lesson. Keep digging. Keep putting in your effort. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't say enough already. And don't say, okay, not again. Don't allow opposition to take away your forward momentum. Keep doing your work. Don't focus on the damage or the loss. Focus on the repair and focus on what needs to be done next. Focus on what's ahead. Kadima, it's so very important to have a forward view of life and to keep your faith and to understand that God is wanting to renew us and refresh us and to help us keep going, that he's put inside of us something that wants to persevere. Don't give up. That's not from the Lord. Persevere. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Stay focused on the Lord, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of opposition, because God knows how to use the situation that he's put you in and that you find yourself in. God knows how to use it to bring good to you, even when you think that it may be impossible. The Lord appeared to Isaac at important times. He appeared twice in this one passage. He appeared at the beginning giving direction and he appeared near the end of this passage as well to reaffirm and to renew Isaac. There are times when you can turn your eyes away from the Lord and focus on the circumstances and forget that God is the master even over circumstances. There are times when you may forget to keep your eyes on the Lord because you're watching too much TV news or you're watching um, and reading too much of the negative comments of people who are your Facebook friends or your, your co-Twitter compatriots. There are times when you have to choose very carefully about what you allow yourself to take into your spirit. It's important, it's so important to allow, um, to allow God to fill you up, to feed on the word of God, to feed in the presence of God, to seek the Lord and to find the Lord, to be refreshed in his presence. I really am glad that you chose tonight, or if you're watching by video or listening by podcast later, that you chose to, to join us to celebrate the Shabbat. And you chose to have fellowship with the Lord during this time. And let this be like a word from the Lord to you to encourage you. There are people who will tell you, oh, um, all is lost. But I want to tell you that our circumstances will always appear differently to us when we view them with the light that God gives us. But if we allow other things to take the place of God's light and God's word, you know what? The circumstances will always look dreadful. We'll lose hope. I want to encourage you, keep your eyes on the Lord. This is one of the secrets that's revealed in this lesson from Isaac's life. 
in order to go forward, in order to know what to do, in order to thrive, he needed fellowship with the Lord and he needed time with the Lord. Take time to be with the Lord. Take time on your own. Take time like this when we're together. Take time to fellowship with God and pay attention to what God says and do as the Lord said about Abraham. He heeded, he listened to what God said to do, and he put it into practice. Yeshua said, there are storms coming. Storms will come to everybody, to everyone. The storm will come to the wise and the storm will come to the foolish. The difference is how the outcome will be. But that outcome is connected to action and it's connected to the heart. Yeshua said, the one who listens to my words and puts them into practice. This one is like a wise builder who builds his house on rock. And when the storm comes and that house is, is uh, facing the onslaught of stormy uh, conditions, the house will stand. The foolish builder is the one who hears the words but doesn't put them into practice. He knows what to do, but he doesn't do it. He's heard the word of the Lord, but he doesn't embrace it in his life. He doesn't activate the word of the Lord. He doesn't realize the word of the Lord because he doesn't do the word of the Lord. And this one, Yeshua says, is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. He hears Yeshua's teachings, but he doesn't put them into practice. And when the storm comes to him, just like he came to the other guy, the same kind of storm will have a disastrous effect and it will beat against that house and the house will fall and the house will fail. And the reason is what the foundation is. You see, the foundation of life is hearing the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. That's a foundation and putting into practice what we hear. Often we need to read the scriptures in order to understand what's going on in our life. The scriptures are a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. We don't live in darkness, even if the circumstances are dark around us, we live with God's light. And that's why there's instruction in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two and three. And when you, when you read from the book of Hebrews, remember this, it was written for Jewish believers in particular. Galatians was written for Galatians. It's applicable for all of us. Thessalonians was written for the believers of Thessalonica. Romans was written to Italian believers. But the book of Hebrews was written to the early Messianic Jews. So there's particular instruction that's useful for us now. It has broad application that's given by the Holy Spirit and beneficial to everyone. But I want you to take it to heart because Hebrews verse 12, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, they give us uh, an important key for how to understand and how to live during important times that are also difficult times. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says this, let's fix our eyes on Yeshua, the author and the perfecter 
of our faith, the one who wrote faith in our hearts and the one who brings it into perfect completion, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Keep your eyes on Yeshua. Think about him. Think about what he went through. Think about his perseverance. Think about what he accomplished for us and think about the hostility he faced from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, there's a secret here. The fellowship you have with the Lord will fortify you. The way that you pay attention to what God himself went through when he came down and dwelt among us. When you pay attention to that and how he entered into suffering in this world at the hands of those who treated him so poorly and with such hostility, when you focus on that, you know what happens. You will grow stronger. You won't grow weary. You won't lose heart. When you remember what he has done for you and what he did himself, it will fortify you. It will strengthen you. Isaiah 40 verse 31 puts it like this. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, renew their strength. That's worth putting in the comment section. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Waiting upon the Lord means actively seeking him, spending time with him. And the promise is, because that's what's in your heart and that's what you do, that your strength will be renewed. You will ascend to a higher place. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and you want, will not faint. These are great lessons from the life of Isaac and from the teachings of the scriptures. And I hope you take them to heart. It's one thing to listen to these. It's another to embrace them. As you participate with us at times like this where we're studying the scriptures, I want to encourage you to take another step, and that is to, to go back, to watch again, to listen to the podcast, to take notes, to read the scriptures, to take notes, to study yourself, and to develop a plan for yourself. And as you're studying the scriptures, you know what will happen? The Spirit of God will begin to reveal to you the things for you to do. Your conscience will be activated. Your heart will be activated. Your discernment will be activated. Wisdom will start coming to you. The light of the Lord will start shining upon you in new and incredible ways. And the problems that you thought could defeat you, those problems are just an opportunity for God to reveal his goodness to you in the land of the living, and your strength will be renewed. 
But we like to close with Aaron's blessing, and then we'll have a final worship song from the painters. But first, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And now Aaron's blessing. Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you guard and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and the Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me, I want to say thank you for joining with us tonight. 